Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church on a sunny Sunday. Praise God for that. We are so glad that you are here today to praise the Lord with us, to learn from his word from Pastor Bays. So as you gather together, grab your seats. Let's stand together and praise him.
fight on our knees as Christians in prayer, and I want you to be praying for Dave Lasseter back in the back here. His mama made a, a very important trip this week, this last week. She went to be with the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, so she's with Janie up there and with other family members, so uh, keep fighting that battle on your knees, Dave, uh, and I guess we have a couple of people who had anniversaries too, but that's not a great song, Fight the Battle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, the Desmonds back here and, and uh, Shira and Steve. Anybody else have an anniversary this week? Oh, my goodness. Jack and Annabelle. Jack, I heard something about your wedding cake today. I want to talk to you about that afterwards. Counseling office will be open. Uh, anybody have birthdays? Anybody have birthdays this last week? No? Okay. Well, I'll, wait a minute. Who? who, who? Fred. Yes. 39? Yeah, about that. About that, okay. And uh, Ryan, you've got a visitor here today. You and Hope have a visitor. Who, who's visiting with you? James Ryan Bailey. James Ryan Bailey. JRB. Okay, all right. So anybody else have a new baby? Anybody? All right. You wouldn't know it if you did. <clears throat> so welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for doing so. If you're in the auditorium here, thank you for being here. We've got a great day planned, lots of good things. Uh, the first Galilean tour will be the, the sermon today, and then we'll have baptism, and then we've got a church barbecue, so I hope you'll stick around for that. But let's first of all begin this battle on our knees, maybe not literally right now, but you can be if you want to, but let's bow our heads together as we go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your presence here today because we desperately need you. Father, I have nothing to give these people except it be from you. So I pray, Lord, that I would be a mouthpiece for you today. I pray that you would help me to say the things that I plan to say that you want said and to discard the things that I plan to say that you don't want said. Father, I pray that you would be the one who would fill us with your Holy Spirit today. I pray you'd be a comfort for Dave 
and for his, his family members. I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I, we rejoice in this new little baby and for uh, his presence today in, in your house. God, we're thankful for these marriages and anniversaries and for birthdays and for just another day to be alive, to breathe air, to see the beauty of your creation, to enjoy each other's company. Lord, just a foretaste, a little bit of a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. So God, I pray everyone here is ready to make that final trip. And if they're not, that they would be before the service is over. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. We're glad to have each one of you here. Let me give you a couple of announcements. Uh, Saturday will be the men's prayer breakfast. So men's prayer breakfast this Saturday. If you can be here about 7 o'clock to help prepare and cook. If, uh, if you can't, uh, be here at 8 o'clock anyhow to partake. We'll have a good time together. Sunday, next Sunday, the, the message is the call of Matthew. At least that's what I'm prepared to do at this point, um, unless the Lord changes my mind. Also, we have communion service, and looking forward to that. If you are a first-time guest at First Baptist Church, I know we got some folks from New Jersey. Uh, Riley's mom and wife are here. We're so excited to have them here. Riley's going to follow his Lord and Believer's baptism in just a little while. If you are a first-time guest, would you do us a favor and fill out one of these cards, connection cards in front of you? Uh, and if you fill it out and give us a way to contact you and a way to mail something to you, we will mail a Starbucks gift card to you. We promise to do that. All right. If you do not patronize Starbucks for whatever reason, I will be glad to take it off your hand. Just let me know. <clears throat> All right. So now, Live Love Floats coming up. The July 4th weekend, uh, Live Love will have a float. Uh, Rachel and Gary are not here right now. They're transitioning to Texas, so they are in Texas as we speak. I think it's only going to be 113 degrees today in Texas, so it's not bad. Uh, there is no breeze, of course, but uh, it's not bad. But uh, July the 4th, we will have, uh, they will have a float here, and you're welcome. Annabelle is going to be singing uh, on the float, and she's providing the entertainment, and uh, I think Jack is going to be dancing on the float. I'm not sure about that. Uh, and the Iwana kids will be involved. And if you would like to walk alongside the float, meet with them uh, between 1st and 2nd Street by 10 a.m., I'd say a little bit before that. Uh, you know how traffic gets, right? So be here early if you're wanting to walk with them on that. And we have a last-minute uh, attempt. We, we've got, we're down to we just need two miracles here. So uh, it should be an easy thing for God to take care of. And maybe he'll do it in this service. This is Chris. Would you welcome Chris? Hey, everybody. Yeah. So these two are the last two students coming from the Basque country. You've heard us talk about this before. They arrive Thursday and don't have a host family yet. I must have called, texted, or contacted in some other way 300 to 400 people in the last three weeks all over San Diego, Southern California. And I think the Lord's holding out these last two to show me that he's able to come through in the 11th hour as he always does. Um, he's seldom early, but he's never late, right? So what I want to just ask you to do is just ask the Lord if he would not because it's convenient, but because he might be asking you to just give four weeks of your life uh, so that one of these kids could know the, the love of the Savior. Um, we're, we're part of a group of 12 host families in San Diego. My wife and I live in here in Coronado, and there's other host families in Coronado, and we've got a really fun July planned, 
activities for the kids to take part in. And really what you provide is just a loving, caring home. You could be a single, you could be a couple, you could be a family with kids or teens. It really doesn't matter. It's just a loving Christian home uh, for four weeks for these kids to, to live in. So please, uh, I, I feel like this really is the last chance. So um, this is a beautiful community. For me, I see a lot of churches in my job, massive ones to tiny ones. And I just have to say that this is, there's something here that's special. And I think any one of these students would be really blessed to be a part of this community. So please pray about that and come talk to me after the service. Thanks Chris, so much. Chris, we have, how many of our family? we have two families so far that are? Yeah, the Prestons are here. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're down in IB. And then there's going to be a, a bunch of other families in IB. But right now, just the Prestons okay. from, from First Baptist. And so then somebody the, needs to get on conviction right now. That's right. right. Okay. <laughs> And then baptized right after, yeah. That's my meaning space right there. That's, that's the best I can do. So just, uh, I'll be at the table afterwards. Just come talk to me. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Let's stand together as we continue to worship our Lord.
to wander. He's always there to welcome us back, to forgive us, to wash us clean, to take us back unconditionally, love us unconditionally, the mercy and the grace of God. Father, we're so grateful for your love, your mercy, your grace, your salvation available through the shed blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may that blood make souls new today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Thank you, praise team, for doing such a great job. We yeah, got the magnificent. We, we do have seven a special song, Pastor. Oh, we do have we a special do. song. Are you going to sing? No, oh. not me today. Okay, someone's. We got a special song. I don't want to scare anyone. <laughs> There he was just waiting in our old familiar place An empty spot beside him where once I used to wait To be filled with strength and wisdom for the battle of the day I would have passed him by again but I clearly heard him say, I miss my time with you. Those moments together, I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you.
What will I have to offer? How can I truly care? My efforts have no meaning if your presence isn't there. But you'll provide the power if I take time to pray. I'll stay right here beside you and you'll never have to say I miss my time with you Those moments together I need to be with you each day And it hurts me when you say you're too busy Busy trying to serve me but how can you serve me if your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. I miss my time with you. Thank you, Fitz and Bobby. Appreciate it. God bless you. Bless the boys and girls. First Baptist Church, come on on down here to the front. Just before you go to class, I want you to stop by here. I want you to watch something with me. And everyone else, if you have your Bibles, you have your Bible, raise it up. You got a Bible, you got it on a device, or you got actual paper and leather and all of that. So, yeah, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, if you'll turn there, we'll be there in just a few moments after we, first of all, talk to the boys and girls of First Baptist Church. So good to have you all. Hey, you want to watch something on TV, on, on the screen? You guys want to watch something? Let's go ahead and show, okay, let's put a video up there for the boys and girls today. Hey, kids, have your parents ever told you to do something, but you did the opposite? Like they said, take the garbage out. But instead of listening, you went and played outside. Or they told you to stay away from the stove. But you didn't, so you burned yourself. Well, that's called disobedience, and it means you didn't do what you're supposed to. Another word for it is sin, and it's what we're talking about today. Sin is something that's in all of us, but lucky for us, there's something that can fight it. Sin is doing things our own way instead of God's way. Did you know the Bible is God's word? And in his word, God tells us what we should and shouldn't do. It tells us it should do things like obey our parents, be nice to others, and love God. It tells us we shouldn't do things like hurt others, lie, or steal. When we don't listen to what God says and do things our way, it's sin. Sin started with the very first people. 
and it is still around today. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve, the very first people? They were the first to ever sin, but they definitely weren't the last. We all sin, and we do it a lot. We can't even go a few hours without sinning. And most of the time, we sin without even thinking about it. Sin separates us from God and from the people we love. That sounds really scary, and the truth is, it really is. Sin is a bad thing, and it makes it hard to love others, and for others to love us. But most of all, sin pulls us away from God. When we sin, we're living a life in a way that God doesn't want for us. And because of sin, we can't have a relationship with Him or be in heaven with Him. Thankfully, God gave us a way to fight sin. He made a way to have a relationship with Him and go to heaven with Him one day. Jesus took care of our sin problem when He went to the cross. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of sin. We can fight it. When he came to earth, he lived his whole life without sinning. We can't even go one day without sinning. But Jesus never sinned once. And then he went to the cross and died for us. So we don't have to worry about our sin separating us from God. Memory verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Without Jesus, we are stuck in our sin. But with him, we can fight sin and someday spend eternity with God. So kids, the next time you find yourself not listening to your parents, remember the other word, sin. And thank Jesus for dying on the cross to save you from that sin. All right, boys and girls, so sin is when we disobey God and disobey our parents. And so the way we take care of that is Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be his children and be forgiven. So let's go into our Sunday school classes here in a moment and learn more about that. But first, let's pray, okay? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for these girls and these boys and pray that, Lord, you would help them to stay away from sin as much as they possibly can. And when they do sin, that they would come to you and ask you for forgiveness and you've promised to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to class, boys and girls, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, for everyone else, beginning in verse 40. We're in the spring of 31 AD in a town called Capernaum. Uh, back in our study on the life of Christ, last week we took a break from the Life of Christ series to celebrate dads. And I hope, dads, you've been working on concentrating on being men of courage. Uh, but, and on the week prior to Father's Day, I mentioned that the disciples' first tour uh, was in Galilee. Now, I don't remember when I, a lot about when I first got saved. I was about eight years of age. It was at a First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois. I do remember that. I remember meeting with the pastor uh, once a week for over the summer, and then at the climax of that, the conclusion of that, uh, I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I remember that. I remember getting baptized the same time that my dad got baptized. It was very special uh, to be able to, to do that. What I don't remember was when I first started praying a lot. Praise team talked about missing time with God and how he misses us when we don't spend time. But I do remember praying as a little boy a lot. And I think a lot of that was because I was praying for my dad uh, not to, to drink and not to have problems with alcohol, which he did have quite a bit. But I also grew up in a time when polio was a big deal. And 
we would see how that people would wind up paralyzed and some of them would live in an iron lung and that was their life, just lying there uh, in this iron lung and it was breathing for them. Some would be dependent on leg braces or crutches or wheelchairs and the whole idea of winding up like that terrified me, terrified my mom. And so I would pray as a little child frequently, God, uh, and my prayer sounds pretty simple now, but I'd say, God, don't let us be paralyzed, praying for my family. God, don't let us be paralyzed. There were no antibiotics. Uh, there There was no Tylenol. There was no NSAIDs. There were none of that. You say, man, when were you born? None of your business. Uh, But I I imagine debilitating diseases were pretty terrifying to the people who were alive during Jesus' time as well. How would one work if they were unable to walk and get around? Who would take care of them? There was no social security as such. How would they... Uh, how, how would they meet the needs of their family? Would their family even stay with them? What was to become of them if they wound up paralyzed or wound up uh, unable to, to work and do care for themselves? So Mark's gospel recounts a couple of men who were so concerned. Uh, and the first one was a leper in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And so we talk about the healing of the leper. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, literally Literally, it means he fell upon his knees before the Lord, begging him from parakaleo, the the word means to call out. So he was calling out to Jesus, if you are willing, uh, in other words, if you have a desire and if you have a purpose for healing me, you can heal me and make me clean, make me literally pure from all filth. He said, Jesus did, moved with compassion. Um, He reached out and touched him. He connected with him. He said, I am willing. In other words, I have volition in this. I have desire for this. And I have the power, the ability for this. And I have a purpose in touching you and healing you. And Jesus said simply, be healed. Two words to this leper, be healed. Instantly, the Bible says, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Now, this is unusual. We're going to take it apart a little bit more in a moment, but let me just say this stern warning, as it's translated in the NLT in in verse 43, literally means to, to roar, to storm with anger. So Jesus healed him, be healed, and then he kind of yells at him a little bit. Talk more about that in just a minute. He said, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. But did the man do that? No, not at all. The the man did as so many people who were healed by the Lord did. Um, He went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. Hey, I had leprosy. I went to a man named Jesus who's reported to be a great prophet, and he touched me, and he said, be healed, and I was healed, and it's amazing, and yeah, he's still over there in Capernaum. Yeah, you ought to go check him out. Yeah, yeah, you ought to go listen to him, too. He's pretty profound in what he talks about. So he began proclaiming to everyone what happened. As a result, the Bible says, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus so that he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere were coming to him. 
So here's a guy with leprosy. Leprosy is a terrible disease. was back then, certainly. Uh, there are cures for it now. There were not cures for it there. It took an act of God. It took something very special to happen. It was very, um, very unusual that someone would be healed of leprosy without coming in contact with Jesus or something like that. It was a disfiguring skin disease, contagious and curable. Uh, and, and if you had leprosy in Bible days, you couldn't live with your family. You couldn't live around other people who were not so infected. You lived outside the city walls. You lived uh, where the other lepers lived and uh, hung around with them. And, and if other people who were unaffected were approaching you or you were approaching them, if you had to uh, go down the street, you had to move to one side. You had to place your hand over your mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean, highly contagious uh, disease. So this man who had this condition heard of Jesus and sought him out. And the Bible says he knelt before Jesus. One of these days, every knee is going to bow, right? Every tongue is going to confess. I mean, Madeline Murray O'Hare already knows that Jesus really is and was and always will be the Son of God. Adolf Hitler already knows that. Joseph Stalin already knows that. Paul Pott already knows that. Everyone who's alive today, one day, We'll know that. He knelt before Jesus. He acknowledged Jesus' power. He said, I know if you're willing, you can heal me. I know that. He also recognized the importance of the will of God by saying that. And Jesus, the Bible says, was moved with compassion. He was very visceral about this. He was very moved, and he reached out for him. Are you kidding me? And he touched him. What? He touched a leper? It's one thing to talk to them across uh, the road from you. It's one thing when they're crying out, unclean, unclean. It's another thing to walk over to them, to get in close proximity to them. It's another thing entirely to reach out to them and to touch them because it's highly contagious. But when Jesus touched the leper, instead of the leper infecting Jesus, Jesus infected the leper. He touched him and the leper was healed. And he was healed instantly. And then came this stern warning. Another commentator says, barely under control fury. He was barely under control. And he tells him not to tell anyone, rather to go to the priest according to the Levitical law. <clears throat> and why did Jesus respond that way? Because, because the, the very reason, it first of all, short-circuited the whole uh, Levitical system for having diseases pronounced clean, giving credit and glory to God. It short-circuited that whole thing. And with Jesus' case, it made it impossible for him to go anywhere in the towns because people would flock to him so much so that he couldn't even move around. He had to stay, the text tells us, on the outskirts. And, uh, and so he didn't want this to happen. He wanted to be able to, to preach the coming kingdom and to preach the gospel. Uh, and yet, because of this disobedience of this man who was healed, it short-circuited it all. Now, the second thing that happens here I want you to notice is the arrival back in Capernaum in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, so this is a, a little period of time had elapsed, the news spread quickly that he's back home. And soon the house where he was staying, and by the way, this was probably Simon Peter's house. This became his home, his base of operation while he had his ministry going in Capernaum. Soon the house where he was staying uh, it was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. So here it is again. Because this guy and others had gone out and published the fact, 
that Jesus healed me of my diseases, uh, of my disease, and, and many people did that because that happened. Now Jesus can't hardly move, not even in his, the own house, his own house where he was staying. It was full and running over. Uh, some of the biblical homes had two, three rooms, three or four rooms, but however many this had, it was full and running over. And so Jesus and his four disciples returned from their pre- first preaching tour, and they, people flocked to see him. Here's my question to you. Now, Simon welcomed Jesus in his home. Is Jesus always welcome in your home? Is he always welcome in your home? Is there ever a time when he would come in that you would be embarrassed for him to be there? I think I told you the story uh, of probably about 35 years ago. Uh, we had some guys, some seals, I found out, who were visiting um, our church looking for girls. They weren't there for spiritual reasons. They were looking for girls. I know how you guys are. <laughs> Don't try to pull it. Uh, I just want to be in God's house. Check out her. Yeah. yeah. And so they were, they were there looking for girls. And so they filled out a visitor card. I went the next week, uh, and, I, and I knocked on their door, and I heard a little commotion. And finally, a guy opened the door, and just one guy. And, and uh, so I talked to him and thanked him for coming and visiting and found out where he was from and talked to him about the Lord. And, uh, and so I left, and, and I got a letter from him probably 12, 13, 14 years later. said, Preacher, you probably won't remember me. But he said, I lived with a bunch of seals, and they saw you coming up the sidewalk, and they went out windows and back doors. And <laughs> he said, and I was left standing there, and you knocked on the door. And I opened the door, and you came in, and he said... You sat down and you began to talk to me and you weren't all judgy. You just talked and we talked about the Lord and spiritual things. He said, and I started looking around and there were beer cans and liquor bottles and Playboy magazines and uh, all kinds of stuff all over. He said, you didn't say a word about any of that. Uh, You just were so nice. And he said, I want you to know I'm a missionary and I think it was Costa Rica or Nicaragua somewhere. He's a missionary now. Uh, But you know what? Uh, is, Is God welcome in your home? Or some of the stuff we watch on television, some of the movies that we watch, or some of the things, habits that we have, are they things that would be deterrents to Jesus being welcome in our home? Uh, They were, but you know what? Uh, He's welcome even in those kinds of homes. Jesus didn't come uh, for the healthy and the whole. He came for those who were sick and those who were afflicted. Third thing here I want you to see is the conversing, his conversing with the crowd. Now, I've got this probably a different idea than some people have about Jesus and his earthly ministry in that so many pictures that portray Jesus. Everybody knows we don't have an actual photograph, right? Everybody knows that. There were no Polaroid cameras back there. Some of you are saying, what is a Polaroid camera? It's because you're embryos. You have not, your eyes are not open yet. You don't even have a clue. So, but there were no actual photographs. We don't have any, you know, paintings that anybody did of Jesus that's authentic. And so, so we have these representations of Jesus, right? And so many of them are so serious. I think Jesus smiled. I really do. I think he had, uh, I, I think he had a personality uh, that was attractive to people. Uh, and certainly he could preach and certainly he could uh, he could uh, dialogue with people. We see so many instances in the Word of God, but I, I think he also smiled. And, and, and in addition, he wasn't always preaching 
in the common meaning of the word preaching. In Mark chapter 2, verse 2, the last part, while he was preaching God's word to them. You say, well, preacher, it says preaching right there. So he must have been preaching. Must have had a pulpit set up. Must have been banging on the pulpit, pointing his finger. And, and no, no, the word here for preaching is laleo, which, and it's not caruso. Caruso meant to make a public proclamation in a formal and grave and authoritative uh, manner which must be heeded. So in other words, that's formal preaching, Caruso. That's not what Jesus was doing with this crowd. They were gathered around. The house was full. He was preaching la leo, which means it, it, it takes special note of, of his tone and his sound and his manner of speaking. And it's, it's almost like just conversation. He was conversing with them. Uh, I think of that song, In the Garden. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds Hush, they're singing. And I think he was just talking to them and calming them and speaking uh, peace into their lives by, by his very, very mannerisms. And so he wasn't up there preaching, banging on a pulpit. He was chatting in a conversational tone. And then all of a sudden, I, oh, this is going on. They're having a great time. They're listening. And they start notice something happening uh, above their head. And dust starts coming down. And little pieces of perhaps plaster and little chips of wood maybe and some straw. I don't know what kind of a, uh, of a roof they had. But whatever it was, mud and straw or whatever it was, uh, it started coming down. And we see the deconstruction of the roof going on. In Mark chapter 2, verse 3, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Exactly what I prayed so many times as a little boy wouldn't happen. Please don't let me be paralyzed. This happened to this man. So they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Literally, they unroofed the roof. Not only did they dig through the mortar and the tar and the dirt and the stone and the wood and the whatever else was there, uh, but I, I mean, have you ever done roofing? It's really, uh, it's dirty work. It's really, really a very messy thing to do. So, so imagine these people are down below, okay, and they've come to hear Jesus and they've come to, and they're talking, they're mesmerized by his peaceful presentation of everything and they're, they're in awe of what he's saying and all of a sudden this stuff starts falling in their hair. I don't like stuff in my hair. I don't like stuff falling. I've got this crazy, my backyard is like spider wonderland. And they make these elaborate webs that unfortunately I don't see until it's on my face. <laughs> and in my hair. Yeah. And, 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 and so they all of a sudden start getting stuff in their hair. It starts getting really messy. Uh, and, and, and somebody uh, probably was thinking, Who's going to pay for this? Yeah, probably Peter, Simon Peter. Hey, who's going to fix my roof here? Uh, so sometimes it costs you to serve the Lord. You know that? Sometimes it costs you. I don't feel like it's very, very big cost. I feel like I'm honored and thankful to be able to serve the Lord and just amazed that he wouldn't even allow me to serve him. I don't want you to know this. I'd do it for free. I'd preach for free. Don't, I don't... Just forget that, okay? I'd, I'd just soon get paid too, but I, I could do it. I would do it for free. Uh, and sometimes serving the Lord gets kind of messy, right? I mean, especially with family and friends, and they misinterpret uh, some, of your, um, some of your things that you say or whatever, uh, and they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. So they made a big enough hole that they could lower this mat with this paralyzed individual 
right at the feet of Jesus. You think the man felt a little tiny bit conspicuous? Everybody, every eyeball was on him. What in the world is going on? Was he embarrassed? I don't think so. I think he was tired of being paralyzed. I think he was willing to do whatever could be done. I think he and his buddies heard about this Jesus who had cured a man of leprosy and had done other incredible, um, miraculous things. And I think they thought, you know what? If we could just get you to Jesus, maybe he would heal you too. And so they thought, let's do that. They carried him over to Simon Peter's house and they couldn't get inside. What are we going to do? We're going to go up on the roof. So they carried him up on the roof and they started tearing up the roof and let him down. There was hope. He had hope. Hope moved him. Let me tell you something. Hope is sometimes all you got left to hang on to. And hope is a powerful thing. To, to know that, that God is able to do anything, to know that he might do that for you, that hope is an amazing thing. People won't come to Jesus unless they realize they have a need. And the fact is, everyone has a need, they just, some of them haven't realized it yet. So if your need is eternal salvation, hey, we lost that, that sub, that deep dive sub, Instantaneous. I, I read somewhere that, that the implosion at that particular depth, the, the metal of the, of the sub would collapse at 22 feet per second. The brain takes much longer than the time it took to collapse to even begin to think about what's going on. They had no idea what happened. They went from being underwater in a submersible uh, machine of some kind to being in God's presence. I don't know where they went from there. It depends on their relationship with Jesus Christ. But, but life is, is, can come to an end in a hurry. So you need to be saved. You say, preacher, you're trying to scare me into heaven? If I could scare you into heaven, I would. Boom! <laughs> if I could scare you into heaven, I would. I don't know why I did that. I have no idea why I did that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. The truth of the matter is, if I could scare you into getting saved, I would, because I don't want you to go to hell. Because those are those choices. We got heaven, we got hell. We got hell that's going to be emptied in the lake of fire. Eternally, the lake of fire will exist. Don't want you going there. I don't want anybody. I don't want my worst enemy to go there. I don't. I don't want atheists to go there. I don't want, uh, I don't want anybody to go there. I want everybody to be able to go to heaven. And God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So get saved because you don't know what's going to happen on the way home. Get baptized. We got a couple of people who are going to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Why wouldn't you? Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again. He gave us the command to go into all the world to preach the gospel, baptizing, teaching in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to, we're to do that. We'll get baptized. Join the church. Surrender to the call. If God's calling you into ministry, let me tell you something. There's nothing, there's nothing I would rather do than preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't let anything keep you from, from coming to Christ today. Don't let this preacher keep you from coming to Christ, okay? If I get weird and wigged out, don't, don't let that stop you. He's not that way. I'm that way. He's not that way. So, so here we see the, the next thing is faith combined with works. In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it says, seeing their faith. 
seeing their faith. Perhaps the paralyzed man had faith. I already talked about that. He had hope. Um, maybe he had faith also. But I think this primarily refers to the four friends because he said, seeing their faith. They combined their actions with their faith by carrying the man to the house, by taking him up on the roof, by tearing up the roof, by lowering the man to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said to the paralyzed man who was unable to move by himself and at the mercy of his friends, he said, my child, your sins, your offense against me are forgiven. Now, it's interesting. Our word forgive in English, it's a great word. We are to forgive one another. If we want Christ to forgive us, we should forgive one another. And it's a powerful thing. But English word forgive doesn't measure up to the meaning of the Greek word forgive. Uh, because when we say we forgive someone who's wronged us, we mean, well, I, I'm, I'm not, I no longer feel this animosity. I no longer feel this hurt and, and I'm not angry at you. I, I, I forgive you. I want to renew my friendship with you and I want to share affection with you. So I'm not going to hold the wrong done against me uh, anymore. But as far as the act that was done, there's nothing we can do about it to take it away. The thing that made us come to the point of forgiving them at some point is never nullified by our forgiving them. But this word, when it says here, uh, your sins are forgiven, this word in the Greek is amphimai or amphimi, which, which translates as forgive, but it means the act of dealing with sin and wrongdoing in such a way that the sinner who appropriates the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior has all his, put away all his sins once and for all in two different ways. One in a judicial sense. So one, the adjudication is you are no longer guilty of that sin. That's been paid for. Uh, so judicially, it is done. Jesus died on the cross. Whatever sin is in our lives, whatever sin reigns in our lives, whatever sin is our besetting sin, Jesus died for that. And so we are forgiven on the basis of the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there's more to this Greek word than just the forgiveness in the judicial sense. There is also uh, the basis of God removing the guilt and the shame from a believing sinner and bestowing a positive righteousness. So the Bible tells us, does it not? If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So it becomes as if I have absolutely no sin in my life. When Christ forgives us, we are adjudicated free from that penalty. In addition, it's as if we had never sinned. That's Bible forgiveness. So be forgiven is a present indicative, and it means you are forgiven as a continuing action. You are forgiven. So number, the fifth thing here, the doubting of his authority. Uh, these guys always show up, don't they? Always do. Verse 6 of, of Mark 2. Some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves. Didn't say it out loud. Okay? Did you catch that? They thought to themselves, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Now, here's a lesson. First of all, not everybody in the house of God loves Jesus. Some did. 
Others wanted to hear about him to see if they wanted to love him or not. Still others came for, for healing. Others wanted to find fault in what he was saying, wanted to find ways of attacking this Jesus. Hey, do you know the devil goes to church too? Look around. You might, well, never mind. Okay. So the scribes in saying only God can forgive sin were right and wrong. They were right about the fact that only God can forgive sin in the judicial sense and in this removal of the sin from that person, uh, so it's as if they never sinned. But they were wrong in not realizing that Jesus was, is, and always shall be God. So when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, he had the authority to do that. Now, number six here, Jesus knew and Jesus did. He knew immediately what they were thinking. They hadn't said it out loud. Did I read that wrong? They hadn't said it out loud. They thought, this is blasphemy. Didn't even whisper it like that. If you could see a little bubble of my head. This is blasphemy. He knew what they were thinking. He was fully aware of their implications and what they were saying, what they were thinking in their hearts. So he said, he, he said to them, listen to this, they're sitting there thinking these things, not saying it out loud. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? They're going like, what, me? And then he poses a question to them. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Interesting question. Which is harder, to forgive sin or to heal a man who's paralyzed? Maybe he's been paralyzed all of his life. Maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't say how long he's been paralyzed. Which is, which is easier? He said, I've, I've forgiven of his sins. Is that the easy part or the hard part? But that you may know in order that you will know, have an absolute positive beyond a speck of, of doubt and knowledge and by the way, he, he, has, he has the power here. The power that Christ has is not dunamis, like explosive power, like it, but rather it's, it's the word that means, uh, it's exousia, which means delegated authority. So the power that Jesus had, he, he could have uh, exercised dunamis, but that's not what the word is here. It's exousia. So, so he... Uh, he's saying the delegated authority was working through him, uh, and, and Jesus had this authority. I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. I will prove it to you. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, to whom he'd already said, I said to be forgiven you. Now he says, stand up, pick up, and go home. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. A lot of meaning here. Take up means to pick up and carry, and it's the aorist tense, and, and it's showing it, it was given with like a military command. Anybody here know about military commands? They're supposed to be obeyed, right? And there's problems and consequences if they're not. So he gives this military uh, snap curt uh, command here. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. He was a man who had paralyzed. Uh, however long he'd been paralyzed, muscles tend to atrophy, right, when they're not used. So he's bound to be a little weak here, maybe unsteady on his feet. So take up, 
Uh, walk means literally to walk around. It means to start walking and keep on walking. This is going to be a per- permanent thing. And the man jumped up. <laughs> he jumped up. Absolute healing. No atrophy. Uh, not the least bit wobbly that we know of. His legs were immediately infused with strength because this was a, uh, a, a divine healing and he grabbed his mat. He didn't fall over when he reached over. I don't know about you, but I have sometimes bent over and get stuff. I almost fall over just bending over and getting stuff. And I, I haven't been paralyzed, right? Uh, but he bent over and picked up his mat, and he walked out through the stunned onlookers, probably kept on walking. He just, he just walked right on out. I'm, I'm healed. So this is another instance of the use of, of God's, of Jesus' credentials the fingerprints of God, of his Messiahship, that he was, in fact, the promised one, and once again, he proved it. The Bible says they were all amazed. They were filled with ecstasy. They were beside themselves, and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before, because there's never been anybody like Jesus ever before. They couldn't wait to get home and tell others what they'd seen that day. I wonder... Have you ever told someone about the miracle that Jesus performed in your life? You say, well, preacher, what miracle? I, I wasn't paralyzed. Jesus didn't heal me. I wasn't deaf, and Jesus caused me to be able to hear again. I wasn't blind, and Jesus caused me to be able to see again. But I, I pose to you the same question Jesus did. What's easier, to be forgiven or to be healed? It didn't make the least bit of difference with Jesus. He was able to do both of them. So the greatest miracle ever, I believe, is forgiveness and salvation granted to us by God through the power of the Father who delegates it to the Son who then uses the agency of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins and show us that we need the Lord. To, for sinner, a sinner like me to be able to go to heaven? A sinner like things I've said, things I've done, places I've gone, things I've thought? He knew the thoughts of the people. He knows my thoughts. He knows your thoughts. Have you ever written out your testimony? Your confession of faith? I challenge you to do it. You do that in navigators, right, Ryan? You write out a testimony. Short, to the point, to let people know what happened to you when you received Christ. You do it and then share it. Why did people flock to where Jesus was? Because those who did know spread the word. And what I'm asking you to do is spread the word in Coronado. Spread the word in Chula Vista. Spread the word in Imperial Beach. Spread the word in National City. San Diego. Spread the word. Which is the greater miracle? Physical healing? or the spiritual healing. I'll tell you what costs the most, the spiritual healing. It costs Jesus everything. Next week, we'll talk about the call of Matthew. But before we do that, would you bow your heads? Those are going to be baptized. If you would go ahead and be dismissed to the back area right now, but everyone else, think about right now. Think about what you need. Do you need healing spiritually? Do you need forgiveness? There's no sin that you can commit that Jesus cannot forgive you for. The Apostle Paul was guilty 
of holding the coats and cloaks of those who killed Stephen. He was guilty of having other Christians imprisoned or killed. He became a great evangelist. Jesus performed a miracle and healed him of his sin. Do you need to be healed of your sin? Do you need to be forgiven? Father, I pray your blessings upon each one of us here in this room. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to turn to you in complete faith. Father, to ask you to forgive us of every sin we've ever committed. Lord, I pray for those who maybe are not born again, that today would be the day they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their master and as their savior. I pray for others who maybe you're leading to follow you in believer's baptism along with these and maybe to join the church, maybe to write out their testimony, be prepared to share it with somebody this week. Father, whatever it is you're moving in our hearts and minds, I pray that you would take care of it, that we would do what we should do today because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us, please? And as we stand, this invitation, now if you're not familiar with invitation, it's an opportunity for you to come, say, preacher, I need you to pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be baptized. I want to join the church. I want to, I, I just want to rededicate my life. Whatever it is, God's impressing in your heart. You come right now, and we'll be glad to talk to you and pray with you. Uh, Fitz, right here, if any guys want to talk with him, he'll, he'll pray with you. And uh, Gats, right here, also for ladies. And uh, anybody else, Nancy Trotter's over here. We've got folks all over the auditorium who'll be happy to pray with you. So as we sing our invitation, would you come right now and do what God wants you to do? If we can help you in any way, make some commitment later on, let us know. Riley, Riley first. This is Riley Young. And Riley came last week. 
We baptized a couple of people, and he said he wanted to follow his Lord and believe his baptism, talked to him about receiving the Lord as a personal Savior. You received him when? Uh, last February. Last February. He knows that for sure. And so, uh, Riley, would you step up here and be seated right here with your feet in that direction? Riley's mom is here today, and his wife is here right in the center section here. And I'm so glad that you could make it for this. Uh, Riley, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in obedience to his command, I have the privilege of baptizing you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. All right. God bless you, man. Yes, sir. Bobby Lerma is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long, long time, and uh, I want him to give a little testimony here. We, I told him I'd hand him the microphone before he gets in the water. <laughs> if, he, if, if, he, if I didn't like him, I'd wait till he got in the water, and then I'd hand him the microphone. There you go, Bobby. And we got some kiddos, grandkids right back here, and his wife right over here. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Joey for his testimony a few weeks ago. Yeah. I have a similar story. I joined the Marine Corps to get away from the street life, the drugs, the alcohol, the violence. In 1982, I attended a, a Christian church uh, because of a girlfriend. I, too, went for the wrong reasons. Um, I don't remember if I was baptized. I went to Pastor Jim's church over 30 years ago. I got involved with two church ministries, uh, prison and community programs. I became a peer support for the U.S. Border Patrol. Um, my last two years, I retired as a chaplain for the Border Patrol. I didn't realize I was holding on to uh, bad life experiences. The devil had me convinced it was time to throw in the towel on my marriage. I, I told my wife, um, of 35 years, I wanted a divorce. God had a different plan. Uh, she, um, a friend shared... First um, Corinthians 13, um, seven, 4 to 7 uh, with me. And it says, um, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not become rude. Be, does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Seeks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, uh, endures all things. I read this verse so many times, this was the first time it spoke to me. It brought tears, it brought tears to my eyes. It brought me to my knees. I wept like a baby for weeks. I couldn't stop crying. I prayed, I wrote, and I read, and I studied his word. The closer I got to Jesus, I was able to see, hear, and feel, and understand Jesus' love. During this time, I had three very bad dreams of suicide. It seemed so real. The devil was trying to convince me it was okay. Plus, I had a plan. I could hear Jesus telling me, you promised to give me everything. After my dream, I admitted myself into an army hospital in Hawaii for suicide and PTSD. My crying turned, my crying turned to tears of joy. Today, my wife and I are doing awesome. Um, ask my wife about the power of prayer. 
it's like um, being in love for the first time. And I want to close with Hebrews 4:12. Uh, for the word of the, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit. Thank you, Bobby, for that powerful testimony. I'm so pleased to be able to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bearing the likeness of the death, raised again the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, come on out. All right, this is awesome. I could do this every week. Now, I'm just if you're ready, I'm ready, okay? I want to share with you that uh, we have a barbecue afterwards. You're welcome to stay. We'll have, we have lots of food out there. Lots of work has been put into it. So if you didn't bring anything, that's okay. Come on and join us. Uh, and next week, we're going to be preaching on the call of Matthew, and we'll have Holy Communion together. Uh, so... Uh, let's go ahead and ask the Lord to bless the food. And then I'm going to ask you, if, if you would, to pick up your children in the nursery before you go get your food. <laughs> it's no fair. You know, the nursery workers are hungry too. So get your kids from the classes. Father, we love you. We thank you for this tremendous testimony, these two t- testimonies of, uh, Lord, your, your saving grace and, and obedience to your commands. And I pray that, Father, you would bless Riley and his family. I pray that you bless Bobby and his family, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be able to participate in their baptism. Father, we thank you for this church. Thank you for the blessings that you've showered upon us. Pray that you bless the food to our bodies, keep us healthy and whole, that we might serve you. And Father, I pray this week that if someone here has never written out their testimony, they would do so and give you the praise, honor, and glory for what you've done in their lives, and then share it with others. And we'll thank you for all of that in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Food is out on the patio. I'm not sure where the line begins. They'll let you know if you're in the wrong place.